Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. Welcome back to another episode of On Culture. Uh, On Culture is the podcast of the embassy, uh, theembassy.substack.com. Uh, happy that you're with us. I'm joined uh, once again, this time by Susan James. Uh, hello. Susan, hello. Uh, she's a therapist. Uh, and this is this particular uh, episode is not happy go lucky, as I just described, uh, as we were just talking about off before we started. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to use some develop, recent developments, uh, in particularly in Canada, to sort of talk about a trend and then just to really get to the meaning of life uh, before we're in here very long uh, on this. So I don't know if you're ready for that, Susan. We're going to talk mm. about, we're going to decide what the meaning of life is uh, <laughs> uh, in these next few minutes. Such an easy task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, for those who didn't read the uh, the piece uh, uh, on the embassy uh, called The Logical Outcome, let me just give a little background to make uh, maybe the rest of the conversation a little more intelligible. Um, so I, uh, I start off talking about slippery slopes and how, you know, that can be an overdone argument that one thing leads to another and so on. Uh, but sometimes it isn't just a slippery slope, it's just a logical outcome. If you do, if you adopt this view, the logical outcome is pretty foreseeable. Uh, and uh, I use that framing to talk about uh, the Medical medical Assistance in Dying Act, or they call it MAID. And we'll probably call it MAID here in this podcast just because it's a, it's a simple uh, acronym. Uh, that it is now the sixth leading cause of death in Canada, and that's as of 2021. And given the rates going up to that point, it's it's probably higher than that. Uh, over 10,000 in 2021 mm. uh, died uh, via medical aid, medical assistance in dying. Um, and, you know, basically what might have been foreseen as the logical outcome of defining life as uh or the life worth living as a certain amount of health a certain amount of prospects for the future uh, a certain amount of wealth uh, or ability to be independent financially or so on uh and absence all of those things then you know in some ill-defined but real way you don't have a life worth living and so we'll make it easy for you to uh, have a painless uh, life, uh, you know, a painless uh, death rather brought to you through, via the medical uh, establishment that as it has spread in Canada, it, it is uh, being offered to people who are, you know, who are not dying in any sense at all. Uh, they might have some disability. They don't want to live. They might be depressed, uh, but they're not close to death in any sort of way. Uh, and even there's been lots of instances of people being offered uh, medical aid or me- medical assistance in dying uh, because they're homeless and they can't access the stuff they they need to you know to to live the life they want to live, uh, and so that's this is a something that's offered to them. Uh, so on the one hand, there's suicide prevention 
efforts for people society deems as in a sense worth saving i mean that's sort of mm-hmm. not ever said really but that's sort of the Im- implication is we're going to you know dissuade people from suicide and say there's hope while at the same time over here we're saying well we'll help you die uh, because the implication is because you're disabled or so on and and that's how you know the initial op- opposition to the lock a lot of it came from disabled groups people working with those who are disabled uh or poor or homeless and that was sort of poo-pooed initially as well that's not going to happen you know that's a slippery slope argument and it has in fact happened in a few years a very few years so um so that's i don't so that's the that's the uh the setup the framework uh or whatever so let me just stop there and how much of that surprises you, Susan? I bet uh, <laughs> most people are probably would be pretty surprised. Right. When I first read your article, I was shocked. I just had no idea that was going on. I mean, I knew of the physician assisted suicides in the case of terminal illnesses, you know, and great suffering. Um, but, you know, where that I know that there's few states in the u.s that Mm -hmm. offer that um Mm -hmm. and in and in canada and europe and what have you but as far as um the vulnerable and and the disabilities and Mm -hmm. the um mental health and the housing and Mm -hmm. our poverty i should say um i was just like it's just hard to believe and that is that slippery slope but I think someone said it was more than a slippery slope. It was like yeah. um, Mount Everest with, you know, yeah, right. snow or whatever. Right. Yeah, that yeah, was a doctor. It's real disturbing. In, right. Or a social worker, I think, in, in British Columbia. So, yes, this is not mm-hmm. a slippery slope. It's Mount Everest in a, snow, in a snowstorm. Right. And it's just and, it's because I think that, you know, when it started out, maybe the first year, you know, lots of applications for uh, assistance and dying were were not accepted but now mm-hmm. virtually all of them are for right. al- almost virtually no reason and they haven't yet but they've talked about this, uh, there's a sense in which the government seems to think of this as a virtuous thing so why deprive more and more people of this option including mature minors mm-hmm. um, people who aren't yet adults uh, um, and so yeah that's this is the sense in which um it seems like the logical outcome of thinking about life. You combine how we have become to think about life in America, in Canada, in the West, as a, the good life. In you know, a good life entails a checklist of things mm-hmm. that you know we sort of kind of assume health, wealth, at least income security, right. uh, you know, independence. You know that I'm right. I think people. Right? right. I think the big one is showing autonomy. Like this gives them the autonomy to right. be able to decide if they want to end their life or right. not, and that's right. a big value. Right there, I think they're leaning on. But yeah, and I want to. I do want to say here that you know you mentioned, uh, you know, some states in the U.S. that do physician-assisted suicide, which. Uh, is mostly not happening as much in Canada because this is because they have this medical aid in, in dying where you don't have to physical uh, physician assisted is they prescribe medicines that will kill you 
and basically tell you how to take them. Mm -hmm. And you generally do that at home. Uh, uh, this is something that happens. It's happening specifically under a doctor's care. Doctors and nurses are administering the drugs that kill you. Um, and in some ways, that's probably a distinction without a difference. It's just if if you're going to go into a hospital and have it professionally done or something, that, that, that just seems easier, I suppose. Um, and I do want to distinguish... Uh, not necessarily between those two things as much as, uh, you know, my first, I, I think I mentioned this in the piece, my first uh, sort of real deep interaction with this whole area was a number of years ago. Uh, there was a, a documentary called How to Die in Oregon, uh, which is about a woman, uh, I don't know, she's probably in her 50s. Mm -hmm. I did uh, see that. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see it when we saw it? As, yes. As, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, she had terminal, she was dying. You know, there's no question she was going to die mm -hmm. relatively soon because of this cancer that she had. Right. And so there was this argument about whether she would uh, end her life. And that's, uh, and that sort of leads to the discussion of what are we obligated to uh, if we believe, as as you know, I'll get to and maybe in a, a bit, that God owns life, that we are stewards of it, that it is not appropriate for us to take our own life. Mm -hmm. You know, what are we obligated to? Uh, and I do want to sort of be clear on saying, you know, there's nothing in Christian theology that uh, states that we have to pursue every possible treatment uh, and hold on to hold on to life to the bitter end. Um, you know, we, as everyone did for thousands of years, everyone had to do, you let the natural cause, you know, course of death take its natural course. Um, you don't have to pursue all these treatments. There's nothing, Christians aren't obligated to, hey, there's some treatment, I have to do it. Um, right. It, that's not really, the, that's not what we're talking about at all, because that is basically a situation in which uh, you, you, you're dying, you know, within a certain number of, months or weeks, that's, this is going to happen. Um, and you can sort of, at some point, stop treatment. Uh, that's one decision point. Another decision point is to cause your own death, which I think is not uh, valid for Christians. This is actually another step further in which, in a sense, society is doing it for you. Mm -hmm. You know, the we, the, you know, the government of Canada is deciding that we're going to basically help you. Uh, uh, do that. But I do want to say there is no, you know, whether you have you or a loved one, there's nothing that states that you have to fight in, you know, Hey, cause there's probably always something that you can keep doing. You know, if there's probably some doctor somewhere who will give you some treatment if you, if you want it bad enough, but at some point you can stop. Um, that's a legitimate choice to make. Um, mm -hmm. and so that's not really what, I, what we're talking about here. We're talking about people you know, either whether the terminal but not near death or not even terminal at all in, in Canada this is just not a life I want to live this is and, and from that documentary there was that she said this is not what I signed up for and it is sort of like what did we sign up for is a really good question uh, or who signed us up you know what is this life um, and you know you're a, you're a therapist people yes. come in and talk to you about their lives um, you know, what, what sorts of things are talked about when people are in despair 
or people view the future as bleak or they don't see a way forward or how does that conversation tend to go? Well, I think that most people who are in the um, situation of thinking about taking their own life is usually um, one of a feeling of hopelessness. And it can be for a variety of reasons. Some people just really struggle with uh, clinical depression. So they see no positive way forward. They can't see a future for themselves. And there's also some, I have um, some teens that are in some really difficult home situations and they struggle and they can't see a future outside of their home. And, um, and then there's also some who are in physical pain and that consumes them. And it's really hard to live their lives outside of that physical pain. And so they come and they talk about that. And we talk about, you know, I think, um, what, you try to help them get in touch with reality perspective and find a reason to have hope. And it might not be 10 years from now, but just maybe the next day, you just Mm -hmm. want to get them through the next day. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, depending on the situation, um, it's a very real thing though. And oftentimes I have found that oftentimes it's not about them wanting to die, even though their self-talk is, I just want to die. I just want to die. It's not really about, them wanting to die as much as I just want to be relieved of this pain or this anxiety mm-hmm. or this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sound you know, that I can't see a future uh, is, you know, you said that a couple of times and I do think there's a sense in which um, part of our modern postmodern sensibility, the sense that we kind of are directing our own lives. We're kind mm-hmm. of making, our way through life uh, and you know that in a sense we're making our future which is obviously true to a point you can make mm-hmm. good choices and or you can make bad choices and that obviously affects your future uh, but there's especially for believers we we also believe there is a God who is God of the future and our future mm-hmm. and there's things in our future that we can't see uh, and and that there's a God who loves us and mm-hmm. uh, wants us to trust him for that future. Uh, and that some sort of uh, benefits or fruits will come to us by trusting God for a future that we can't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that sometimes suffering is a way or maybe the only way to some future that God has for me. Right. That's that's, what I was going to say. Sometimes the only way that's, you know, how we grow oftentimes. Yeah. And I think we're so, if I'm suffering, something's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Somebody's failed me. I failed me. Uh, And I think it's just, I mean, there's a, there's a number of reasons to believe that suffering is just a part of the human condition in some way. And we can whistle past the graveyard. And some people do. I mean, you can manage the external circumstances of your life uh, successfully enough outwardly to where you can feel like you're you're avoiding suffering. Mm-hmm. But in, I think in many ways, lots of those people are not facing their life 
very truly. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of grief, a lot of lament uh, and suffering. Uh, and that, you know, maybe God wants to do something in us that, only, yeah, the only route is through some some suffering that we can't see the other side of. And I, right. I, I feel like that's a point in which w- as soon as some of these people in Canada get to a point where they can't see the other side, then, you know, then, yeah, I'm much more open to somebody helping me die or just not right. living anymore. And I think, I think um, one of the articles here is probably referred to it as well as, um, you know, some of the pro- resources they are not allowed. You know, some of the resources are too costly or they are not being helped in some way. So it's the only alternative that they see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, I can get free help ending my life because I can't get housing over here. Or I can't yeah. get into a community. I don't have the support of a family that can pay yeah. for whatever. Um, and so it's kind of, they feel like their only option. Yeah. It and, seems to me, especially cruel in a way there's an, a, a, you know, there's a cruelty to these services here are expensive. We can't give them to you. Uh, you can't afford them. Uh, Mm -hmm. but here's something we can give you free free yeah uh and it just makes it so easy and there it it is hard for me to think there's not some sort of uh calculus of society's better off it's a better use of society's resources to end these lives that's what it feels like that's what it feels like to me too it does and it's heartbreaking yeah yeah which i just think is fundamentally wrong uh Mm -hmm. And that's not the sort of society we have. It's sort of like, um, you know, there were uh, some articles a couple of years back, I think, about how Iceland had, you know, eradicated Down syndrome. They had almost no Down syndrome, which just meant they were testing people, everybody for Down syndrome and basically giving, you know, strongly encouraging everyone to get an abortion if they had a Down syndrome mm-hmm. uh, baby. You know, that, and that's how they were curing Down syndrome, basically by killing them all before wow. they were born. Um and it's the same sort of idea. Like we as a society are better off mm-hmm. and it's not even a question. You as a family are better off. And I think the biblical conception of life would question that. Maybe you're not, maybe you're actually not better off. Right. Uh, and maybe this unlikely road forward is a road to joy, to peace, to fulfillment, to meaning that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have if everything is artificially smoothed uh, and you're just accumulating wealth to retirement and having pleasant vacation experiences or whatever, you know, whatever else right. your life is, you know, whatever your, your life goals are. And I think that's, that's sort of the, lo- the logical outcome of defining a good life as free from this and free from that, free from poverty, free from disability, free from mental disability, free from Down syndrome, da 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 you know, is a, first of all, I think that's false mm-hmm. because the thing, the good things of life may not come I mean, in some cases, they only come through those roads or they come through those roads often. Uh, and, uh, and secondly, it, um, it forces people to try to live a life that's not going, none of that's, that's not going to be fulfilling, even if they, even before medical aid and dying, you know, that was still the wrong definition of life. We don't have that here, but it's still the wrong definition of life. 
for America. And we as believers, we can't be, you know, there's, there's something more to life than, than the American dream, basically is what I'm saying. Absolutely. So if you can't live the American dream, you're still, you still can have a good life. Right. Right. And I think that, um, you know, you talked about there's some people that can kind of avoid the suffering, but oftentimes I feel like those people, they're ones that are not really engaging in life and other in humanity. And then there's those that take the risk and it's going to be, they're going to experience suffering and they really engage life and perhaps put themselves out there and, and um, be a part of some causes and work with disabled or adopted disabled mm-hmm. or, you know, and how that builds in them compassion and grows them in compassion and love and care and what that does for them. But at the same time, loving um, others well, whether they be sick in the hospital mm-hmm. or in a disabled community or what have you. Um, and then also as a recipient of that, I have to think that being cared for well, whether it be physically, I guess, even cared for physically does something to the heart. You're caring mm-hmm. for their heart well when you're caring well for them physically. So that in return, I feel would make them feel like they have um, a sense of dignity about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they were also made in the image of God right. and worth being cared for, right. you know, and how often are we in, you know, if we have a physical illness or injury, when our loved ones or someone comes and cares for us and brings us a meal, does it feel like, oh, wow, I am, I feel valued by that person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, sometimes we get caught in the, um, woes me, but -hmm. you know, um, somebody comes along. So I think there's some give and take in both of that. And if we don't have that, if we just get rid of what's not the norm or what's broken per se, then, um, yeah, is it a life worth living? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. I think God uses right. those things to, right. you know. Well, that, I mean, you said a lot there. So I think there's... I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, there's two things, like, you know, the life that we are called to live. Um, and, yeah, the people who are not really engaging in life and sometimes being successful outwardly is an antidote to really engaging in life. <laughs> And it's sometimes only when we lose something, we lose our health, we lose our wealth, we lose a job, we lose something that we're sort of forced to reevaluate, hey, what, what, what was this getting me anyway? Or at least hopefully mm-hmm. you, you, you do that. Yes. Um, you know, it made me think of the, you know, the uh, parable of the talents, you know, that, you know, Jesus tells a story of, you know, we're given a certain amount of these talents and they mean something, uh, you know, and, you know, in the story they're they're actually you know money of some sort but they you know obviously they stand for something that we're given that we have responsibility Mm -hmm. for and you know writ large it could be just all the gifts that we have in our life that we're supposed to then invest for the one who gives it to us that we are the stewards he is the owner we are stewarding it uh so he has a purpose and apart from that purpose my purpose is a little disconnected and small. Uh, and part of that purpose is, yeah, being in a community, loving, forgiving, uh, caring for, uh, all of this sort of stuff that maybe doesn't give me any sort of 
immediate earthly return, perhaps, mm-hmm. or I'm not doing it for that. Um, and so, you know, that, that sort of thing then causes me to be engaged in other lives and to care for other people, you know, this sort of to begin the, to display the fruit of God's spirit in me for them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things are different are, are almost impossible for us to experience in isolation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that's like the one half of the equation that you were talking right. about. The other half is, um, part of me doesn't want to be cared for. Part of me would feel bad to not be cared for, <laughs> but to be cared for is, uh, there's a sense of dependence I don't want to have, right? I don't want to have to be cared for. That feels like some sort of, like something went wrong mm-hmm. if somebody has to care for me, which is, I think, a sort of uh, common fruit of, you know, we value independence so much that right. at some point if I need something from other people, that feels like a bad thing. And I think that's part of our culture too. 100%, you know? yeah. Right. 100%. Yeah, that you should make the right choices so that you're not independent on anyone. Uh, And there's a shame in being dependent and so on and so on. Um, And I do feel like both of those things, like I don't experience, uh, you know, necessarily all of God's presence in my life. I I don't experience that in independence, that, you know, somebody caring for me is God caring for me. Jesus Mm -hmm. said, in as much as you cared for, you cared for me and the same sort of thing as we are him caring for these people. Uh, and so I'm either one of the people being cared for, uh, or I'm called to care for, um, other people. And, and we can be both. I mean, I think we are both at yeah. any given moment in our lives. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And in some sense, a life worth living properly understood contains both of those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so put that way, some of these people who are signing up for medical assistance and dying, you know, could be right on the verge of having a life worth living, uh, if they were helped in another direction. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily saying through government program. I mean, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be that at all either. Uh, but there's a sense in which I think we're, since we're misdefining what life is about, then this is a logical outcome of, well, we can't have this, so you might as well be dead. And I think that, excuse me, in my own experience, I know how much my clients, many of my clients have actually inspired me from when they first walked in the door to however many weeks or months or years it has taken them to get to a point where I see them having hope. And it's not at all about me helping them, but they have affected me in the process. They have mm-hmm. grown me in the process mm-hmm. um, in different ways. Um, and I and I think those are the type of people that inspire others. So, you know, when you get to the point where you're beyond that, I don't know. I would be fr- afraid to say that I'm beyond, you know, um, hope. And so I think that even in the receiving end of the equation, you have so much to offer and we don't know how God's going to use that Mm -hmm. to help and affect others. 
in their walk in their maybe in their salvation um yeah i mean i think that's i mean writ large we don't know what god's going to do with this is something that it's a truism and yet when we forget it uh, that's when things can look bleak um the thing i was hoping for isn't going to happen the thing i was fearing is going to happen or is happening um that doesn't mean you know therefore things are over uh it, it means that uh i'm where i didn't expect to be right uh and you know we have unrealistic expectations of you know if you just make all the right choices none of these bad things will happen to you is a false proposition <laughs> but we kind of we kind of deep down we kind of believe it mm-hmm. right too many Disney movies. Too many Disney movies. <laughs> uh, and or we're kind of like Job's friends where it's like, well, you must, yeah, you must have done something right. uh, for this to, to happen. To deserve this, right. Uh, and sometimes those things are the only roads by which we are changed or we are loved or we've become loving or uh, because of our own hardness of heart or so on. Um, and it, to give up on that in some ways is to give up on what a, a good life a good life is really mm-hmm. um, right a good life is to be more fully formed in the image of christ and to minister to others in his name uh, in his image you know with beauty and love and joy and all of those things and uh whenever i sort of forget that then those i mean i, I don't i'm not afraid that's not going to happen Maybe I should be, but I'm not afraid that's not going to happen because I'm not prioritizing it in some ways. I'm prioritizing having enough money to retire and mm-hmm. making sure my kids are set and make whatever, all the stuff that normal, you know, Comfort. the normal sort of stuff of life that keeps coming at, you know, at you. Um, and which is, I think it's hard not to, in some ways, I mean, you're, but you know, you go to work, you get a paycheck, you pay the bills. There's a lot of that. All of that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm not saying quit your job, of course. Um, but if that becomes the point of life, then that life can become bleak, mm-hmm. even if you're successful. And if that becomes the point of life and you then can't do it anymore, life is doubly bleak. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're seeing play out in Canada. And I, you know, not to demonize Canada. I have no, you know, illusions that if the same sort of program were available here, lots of Americans would raise their hand. I agree. Right? Right. Um, and so, so yes, I don't, I mean, I don't, this is not really to make a political point. It's to make a, you know, we should really think about what life's all about point. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hopefully we've done that a little bit. Um, so thank you, Susan. Thank you. For your experience and your um, experience in the lives of other people um, that shed some light on this. Uh, and we will, I don't know what we'll talk about next time or, or who I'll be with uh, or by myself. I'm not sure. Um, but until then, uh, I'll see you then. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening. Do you enjoy On Culture? You can support us and the content produced by subscribing to our newsletter, The Embassy, by visiting theembassy.substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.